Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner, getting you ready for another Illini football game. And here we are already, the sixth game of the season. And uh, we're recording this on September 30th, so we're not barely out of September. Of course, that was a terrible month for Illinois. They lost four straight, and that's the problem, is entering the sixth game. Illinois has just one win, and that was the season-opening win. A lot has changed, and now they welcome in their final non-conference opponent, another Conference USA opponent. Uh, they're hoping they can win this one, unlike the last one against UTSA, who obviously is probably one of the better group of five teams in the country right now at 4-0 and with a big comeback win against, against Memphis, as well as that win over Illinois. But UNC Charlotte comes to town, and Joey, Illinois is an 11-point favorite. Did that number shock you, given that Charlotte beat Duke at home earlier in the year? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but at some point, right? I mean, Duke has not been this earth-shatteringly good Power 5 program either, though neither is Illinois. Um, So, yeah, I guess a little bit, but I don't think I was as floored as I guess I probably should have been. Now, are you thinking, like, I I was thinking of titles and stuff like this, and and all I can think of is, is Charlotte good? And that leads me to good Charlotte, and that's leading me to the – the anthem, uh, lifestyles of the rich and the famous. Hold on, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just going through all these good Charlotte's because that's my question: Is Charlotte good? Are, are they good enough to really scare Illinois? And I think anybody uh, at the Division One level, especially uh, the, the FBS level, is 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 probably good enough to to scare Illinois at this point with the way the offense is playing. I cannot believe we're down the good Charlotte <laughs> rabbit hole like three minutes into this. Do you got party. any deep cuts? Um, I don't know if I have deep cuts uh, on good no. Charlotte. I'm sure I don't. It, it was girls and boys was like a the, dance track. I remember that. Yeah. One. Whatever. Look, the skating rink knew they were playing the right song when they played the three good Charlotte songs that were worth playing. Has there ever been a band with a worse lease lead singer to, to get that big? Cause his voice is not very good. I mean, let's just be honest with everybody. You spend a lot of time thinking about this. I appreciate it. It's a catchy pop punk band. Uh, but, you know, t- Tom DeLonge is not a great singer, but he's got a very distinct yeah. voice. And I think that's what Good Charlotte had going for it, too. I'd like to welcome back half of our listeners here <laughs> in about 35 seconds. <laughs> um, got to be I, yourself, I Joe. You got to be yourself, man. <laughs> I, I don't think Charlotte's very good. Um you don't give up 234 yards on the ground a game. And, I'm writing this down because people are not watching it. I don't know. Look, man, check cash is the same, right? Um, I That's just too many rush yards to give up. And, like, against opponents that aren't, you know, they're not giving these up to, like, the Alabamas of the world, right? I mean, they're giving up pretty gaudy yards. And I know offensively they're, they're really talented. I mean, that's a talented offensive team. But think of the worst Illinois teams we've seen in the last, I don't know, every year for the last four. And when we look at the rush yards, like, ah, that seems just not very – like th- those two things generally m- are married pretty closely together. Yeah, so Charlotte, uh, Will Healy has done a really good job. He's one of the youngest coaches, if not the youngest, in the FBS level. And, you know, they made a bowl game, made it to the Bahamas Bowl. I uh, went seven and six, uh, which is really, really good uh, for UNC Charlotte. Last year, two and four, they had a lot of COVID issues throughout the season. Uh, and so far this year, they start three and one. Uh, they lose, was it to Georgia Southern or Georgia State? One of those two. Uh, rush for a whole bunch of yards.
yards against them, and they lost that one. But they're 3-1 otherwise, including that home win. Yes, they had Duke at home, uh, and they won that game. Duke had a terrible turnover at the red zone, and uh, their defense just wasn't very good against Charlotte. Uh, and Charlotte is 8-2 and in their last 10 conference games, and, and they – like every other team at that level, is is adding a bunch of transfers from from Power Five teams. They added twelve transfers this offseason, including players from Kansas State, Notre Dame, Iowa State, Purdue, Texas A and M, Iowa, Arkansas, Florida. So there's some talent. I think most of it, Joey, is is, is on uh, in the secondary or or their offensive skill positions. So they do have some athletes who who definitely belong in that field. And we saw against UTSA. It's not like Illinois is, is a huge upgrade athletically over some of these good, um, you know, group of five teams. So I think your concern would be the offense that that they're bringing in because despite the defensive growth the last two weeks, Illinois has struggled to stop the pass. This is a veteran quarterback in Chris Reynolds who won't wow you physically, but he's really smart. He's making checks at the line of scrimmage. He's really efficient. Uh, has gotten away with a couple passes that could have gone for turnovers, but um, they can dice you up a little bit, and that's been Illinois' problem is, is can they – bend but don't break that has been the case uh the last couple of weeks but we've seen earlier in the season where it wasn't how many other big 10 programs would have like and i don't mean to knock charlotte because like I, offensively they are really like that's a talented team right i mean for all the reasons you just listed but how many other big 10 programs are seriously having this discussion minnesota right <laughs> Yeah, Purdue probably still would have that kind of discussion, right? Like, yeah, I mean, this is what a bottom of the half uh, or bottom four in, in Illinois right now is the bottom one program in the Big Ten. That that that's where they are, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's why we have to have this conversation of nervousness going to a game like this because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have nervousness? Yeah, all, all the reasons are fair. I just if you step back and zoom out a little bit, it's like, oh man, like this. I don't think even before, like, especially after Nebraska, even but even before the season, I don't think I looked at this game with this thought level of, like, deep thought in it. And, and like, Charlotte does things that are going to stress Illinois, especially offensively. Now, this is, like, the ultimate chance for this Illinois team to say, see, we run the ball and we run it well and give it to Chase Brown, who Brett Bielema tells us is healthy. I prefer – I would prefer to see him out there for one of the first few drives of the game. Uh, before I completely buy into that, even though you're not giving Josh McCray 45 carries like the people want, <laughs> you got to give the people what they want. Um, <laughs> how about 25 and 20, right? 25 yeah. for him, 20 for Chase Brown, make Charlotte do something, and most importantly, make your quarterback do almost nothing. Yeah, let's we'll get into that here in a second, but that is where you feel confident if you're Illinois, right? Is you look at the Charlotte team and you look at them defensively, they do have some talent in the secondary. They got three power five transfers starting uh, on the back end, including a couple guys who uh, were, were Big Ten players at one point. Geo Howard played at Purdue, a corner that was a Juco kid. Um, Trey Kramer uh, committed to, or yeah, he was a, he was a Big Ten player at one point, uh, was at Iowa. Illinois recruited him and offered him. Uh, and then John Alexander was at Kansas State, and he's been probably one of the best defenders for Charlotte. So the back end actually is like big, physical, athletic. Uh, the front for them is really undersized. They like to mix and match things, kind of, you know, have these positionless guys. But one of their best players, Marquise Watts, is a six foot, 215 pound defensive end. 
right? So, like, that's where Illinois needs to overpower these guys. And if there's one thing this offensive line has been good at, it's run blocking. Like, Alex Pauchewski and, and has been a, you know an issue in, in pass protection, but he's been great as a run blocker. So is Julian Pearl. So is Doug Kramer. Uh, and then, of course, you've got two running backs, Joey, that – uh, the Josh McCray love should be there, but so should the Chase Brown. Like there should be a lot of excitement at Chase Brown back. Both those guys in their last two full games have been great. Josh McCray, 256 total yards his last two games. Chase Brown, when he's been on the field the last two games, 180 total yards. You should be able to dominate up front and dominate that that time of possession uh, and, and just you know really control the ball. I want to hedge really quickly when I said Charlotte isn't that good, maybe. For who they're going to play, nine out of twelve games, they're they're a very competitive, a very a good team in that group of five level, right? But when they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be beating power five teams. Now, the Duke and Illinois are both in that same. Anyway, long story short, they're good about who they're going to play a majority of the season. But when I say they're not very good, I think that I mean in comparison to where. These teams, these buy games. Like, like if they're playing Iowa this week, they're probably twenty-eight point underdogs, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. At, at Illinois, they're they're eleven point underdogs, and yeah. I think that number is a little heavy for me. I, I think Illinois should probably be about a seven-point favorite at home right now. Well, you get three for being at home just alone, right? Yeah. <laughs> Six so, usually. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even remember. The, 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 yeah, I mean Chase Brown. Like I, Josh McCray deserves everything, like all the praise he's been getting because he's a like what a revelation. I we're talking about him a lot, and we should. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, should I talk to this dude like every single time we see him for media availability because he's he's really really good. But Chase Brown has been that guy for every game he's been healthy at Illinois. Right after that red shirt, that kind of. Helter-skelter, I guess, redshirt season when he got the late approval and they played him, you know, for however much they played him. But this is, I mean, and the run blocking has been good. So, like, all of those things match up perfectly to hold the ball, run the ball, dominate, just dominate on the line. And maybe you can even break free for some play actions if you don't need to hold a tight end in like you did against Purdue, right? And so maybe that'll open up. Maybe it's the confidence, you know, if, if things go as you think they could in some areas, like this could be a chance to start to, you know, build on, or maybe they would say add to some confidence, but to get something going there. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the huge elephant in the room though. And that's, that's the quarterback position. Listen, we, we, we're going to qualify this every time. The wide receivers are not good enough on this team. They have to upgrade that room. They're not getting enough separation. Um, the pass protection has not been good enough, but the quarterback play has been awful for, for Illinois, especially the last two weeks with Brandon Peters in there. Uh, he just hasn't been giving his guys enough opportunities, right, to, to make plays, and he hasn't made enough plays himself. And and you can feel that Tony Peterson and, and Brett Bielma are not going to criticize him very much publicly. I think that's to try and keep his confidence up despite what's happening around him. And I just think he's a guy that doesn't have confidence in anything going on around him. Right. Like, I just, I don't, he doesn't act like that. And I just think his processing and decision making isn't happening uh, as quick as it needs to be. Uh, but you asked the question on Monday, Joey. Like, we're all sitting there thinking it. Jay Lehman told me on Monday he'd make the move to Art Sikowski. And after two weeks of having 24 of 52 passing, which is under 50%, of course, 
285 yards, no touchdowns. You've had four trips inside the red zone the last two weeks. And you've come away with touchdowns none of those times. You've gotten field goals two of those times. You have to consider changing the most important position because you can now look at two full games starting, right? And, and really three full games for, for Art Sikowski for the most part, 11 quarters. Brandon Peters has been in for nine quarters. So basically the, the same thing, right? And Art Sikowski with the same disadvantages against a better Virginia team probably than, than maybe even Maryland and Purdue uh, and UTSA, which is a good team. So similar teams they're playing up against. Art Sikowski has a better efficiency rating. Not that it's anything to write home about. He's got six touchdown passes. He's been better on deep balls. I don't think he's the the long-term answer, but I think short-term he's been better. Uh, and, you know, Brett Buma didn't answer your question directly. and said he wouldn't. And to be fair, like he's like, I'm not going to tell you guys if I make a, a change at quarterback. And he's at least let that question linger to where Saturday at 10 a.m., you and I are going to be looking very closely at who Doug Kramer is snapping to. Yeah, and the bigger change, I thought, was the difference of his tone, of Brett's words, this past Monday versus a week ago going into Purdue, right? I mean, going into Purdue was, hey, Brandon's it. Brandon's our guy, and and now I'm not going to answer that. And and maybe that was nothing in Brett's way of saying, y'all, I, I, I'm just not going to tell you. Let's just save ourselves from now gonna... until – I'm not answering yeah. this every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So don't ask me from now until the middle of November, or maybe it was, you know, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to do this, but we don't want to say anything. I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, if you listen to what he says, I could make an argument. Like if you really dive in to, to between the words, what he says, you could make an argument to say, Oh, maybe Doug Kramer will be snapping to art. Or you could say, we have run ourselves in circles around this and really nothing is going to happen. Yeah. We did but a quick I, poll of media after, after that press conference. And like one person said, no, I didn't read that. Like, I think it's, I think it's Brandon. I was like, I, he at least left the question open, right? Like I think he at least left the question open and maybe that's a little gamesmanship. I don't think Charlotte's changing its game plan based on if it's Brandon Peters or Art Sikowski. Um, But if, if you're Charlotte, uh, and it's Brandon Peters back there, I think you're more likely to send more blitzes and be more aggressive because they haven't been able to handle that pressure and he has not played well in front of that pressure. Yeah, and Art's not the, like the answer, right? I mean, I think if, if you go into next season with Art as your guy, there's going to be a lot of hearts beating out of their chests a little bit because I just don't know that he's the guy or what we've seen. But, man, dude, it, it's been rough. It's just been rough since Brandon Peters came back. And I know they like the opportunity to throw the deep ball. And that, that seems to be something they come back to quite a bit is, is Brandon's got this arm and, and this, that, and the other. And that's true. I mean, he can throw the ball. Theoretically, it's it's a yeah. theoretically true. But like in the games, who's completing them to do span? Like they haven't been pretty all the time. And there's the one he threw over Art uh, that do span that could have gone for a six. So we're not sitting here saying like, oh yeah, I feel comfortable with Art Sikowski. But at some point, like I know Art has probably put the ball in more danger than Brandon Peters, oh, yeah. right? There's, there's the opportunity. And especially against a team like Charlotte, where you don't want to turn it over and you feel like your run game can simply win it. Maybe you don't want the quarterback who's going to maybe put the ball into a little bit more danger. But at some point, especially during big 10 play, 
You're going to need a guy that's willing to, as Ryan Walters likes to say, just pull the trigger and, and take a chance and give your wide receiver a chance. It just feels like Brandon Peters isn't, you know, it doesn't feel comfortable doing that right now. So here's my armchair argument for why it should be art beyond the obvious eye test, stat test, right? Like that stuff is clear that it's at least worth considering a change. I, I think Illinois will beat Charlotte. I, I don't think I'm crazy in saying that. Next week is Wisconsin. That, I mean, that's on the schedule. So let's let's say it is Brandon this week. He struggles. Then you think, geez, you know, what are we going to do here? Are you going to you throw an art against Jim Leonard's defense? Because Wisconsin's oh. offense is a train wreck right now, but against yes. Jim, Le- who I think is the best defense coordinator in football. And cold, right? Cold, completely cold. He hasn't taken a snap since. Virginia is that do you does that factor into it at all right and here's the thing we could ask Brett until we're blue in the face what he told us on Monday is basically you're gonna waste one of your 15 minute questions here by continuing to ask but I thought a lot about that do you want to let Art get a game under his belt again and start to get a little bit of a rhythm knowing that you're facing Jim Leonard, who the Packers sh- should have given the world to. That, that's just another point. He doesn't belong as a defensive coordinator. In <laughs> no, he was one of my top candidates for the Illinois head coaching job. In the I thought that that's a guy. Uh, if you can get him, I just think he loves Madison, and he could probably do better in Illinois next year or the year after if he wants. I don't know how many brighter stars in college football there are than this cat, but th- there aren't many. So, so what do you do? Does that play into it? I, I could make an argument where it ought to. Um, and, and that's probably a little bit much looking over Charlotte, right? It, by, by me going down that line of thinking, you're, you're kind of writing off Charlotte a little bit. I understand that. But you're but also having a defense, Joey, that the last two weeks, like if Art Sikowski is in the game and plays the same way he did against Virginia or UTSA, do you win those games, right? Like <laughs> one good drive or one good deep ball that he has, not that they're always good again, but you got to be second-guessing yourself. Like, hey, if our defense gives us this, maybe Art – uh, can be the guy that just gives us a little bit more offensive oomph. And and for them, I think just energy. I, I feel like they're lacking. I've said the word lifeless a lot. The offense just doesn't have a lot of life right now. So, yeah, I mean, then you get Wisconsin in a week off and then Penn State. So you could go Brandon the next two weeks, take a week off and get, you know, your, your backup ready for the number four team in the country at uh, Happy Valley. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how Brett Bielema handles this. But I don't like if you make this move, Joey. I think this is one thing we should point out. I, I don't think you go back. Like, I don't think there's going back to Brandon Peters unless there's injury, right? Unless Art gets hurt. Like, I don't think you make this move and think you can go back to him because then where's Brandon Peters' mind at, right? Where, where's his head at? And, you know, that that's tough for him. I mean, this has got to be really tough for a guy and all these super seniors that expected one thing coming back with a new coach and you know probably thinking at this time we could be three and two or four and one and they're sitting there at one and four and, and probably another bullish season yeah i completely agree with that brett bielma had more or less said earlier this offseason like basically the old adage if you got two quarterbacks you don't have one right and he doesn't strike me as a guy who likes to go back and forth back and forth that's just not him and so I, I think when you do this, you realize that you're making this move, again, like you said, Art's healthy until the end. And how early is too early on your mind to do that? I don't know, but Brandon has not done enough to 
put up much of a fight. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't. I come back to that last possession against Purdue last week. It wasn't a catchable ball of the bunch. Yeah. That's, with the game on the line, well, I, you I just got to give those stop. guys. You got to give your guys a chance. Like you just got to throw it up, and if you throw a pick, like in that situation, you, you got to take a chance and uh, throw a pick. If you throw a pick at that point, I mean, it's it's better than throwing it out of bounds. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, I, it's a tough spot, but um, I agree with Jay. I would have made the move to Art probably. I would have gotten to Art probably late in the Maryland game. To be honest with you, uh, not that that was my full time move, but I just didn't think Brandon had it. Uh, and then if you go back to Brandon and start the next week, uh, I just thought at, at, at halftime of the Purdue game, I, I tweeted out, I think the story of the game is who makes the quarterback change first. And it was Purdue. And Aiden O'Connell threw two more picks. One of them wasn't his fault. One of them was. But he moved that offense. He gave them life. And I think for Illinois, I don't know if it's this game or if it's next game, but I, I feel like you got to have a quarterback that is willing to take some risks at some point and put the ball down the field and, and give Casey Washington or Deuce Span or Isaiah Williams or Luke Ford or Daniel Parker uh, a chance to make some plays. Here's where I get a little bit hung up on this is, I mean, like usually you can sense it with the coach's words, like when something could be coming. I know what Brett said on Monday, but if you take him at face value, it's, He's not really thought about making a change in the middle of the last two games. Yeah. So that's where I come back to and think, okay, if he didn't think about it then, when or if will he think about that? And Sunday would have been I, the day, right? Like <laughs> You would think, yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's Is it the transfer portal yet? Uh, I mean, seriously, they, yeah. they need a, a somebody in there. And within September, almost October, by they, January. If they wanted to get really creative, they could just put Isaiah Williams back there and run the uh, yeah. the RPO game and his <laughs> own read option. Yeah, I wonder if we see some of that. I mean, we did see a little trickeration from Tony Peterson. Let's talk about the coordinators when we come back. We're going to throw flowers at one of them, and then we'll talk about how. what's the other one need to do to make the same kind of adjustments. We'll talk about that next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. All right, Joey, uh, obviously the offense has been – objectively awful the last two weeks, right? 26 total points. Uh, you're settling for a bunch of field goal attempts. Again, red zone opportunities for the last two weeks. Uh, and, and just the passing attack, It's it reminds me of 2017. Like, And you have more talented options uh, at quarterback, at least. I mean, the wide receivers aren't as good as they were in 2017, but I feel like your quarterbacks are at least are more talented. What do you think Tony Peterson has to do um, what, what can he do as a coordinator play caller? Because I do think two weeks ago he tried to get to tight ends. I thought last week they had the game plan of obviously slowing the game down, running the ball. They got a little bit more creative with their deep shots, a trick play, uh, got Brandon rolling out a little bit in the second half. What, what does he do? Well, I think we've covered the quarterback situation at length, right? I mean, I think that's one, one option. You might, have, you might have to make a move. Where's this offense without a true freshman running back, by the way? Just given what we know with Chase Brown, you know, being out, this could be look way worse if Josh McCray doesn't do Josh McCray things for the better part of the last two games. Uh, so, so in the office, when Michael was going to propose to Holly, do you remember we had all these ideas like if you're in costume, you've done something wrong, right? All that. <laughs> if Isaiah Williams is running a, a route further than 15 yards down the field, you've done something wrong. Bring him back, get him the ball in space quickly short passes let your best player do best player things 
And we just haven't seen that. Like, I loved how they used Isaiah Williams against Nebraska. That was, I mean, the dude ran UTSA for too, a right? day and a half, pre-snap motion everywhere you turned, short passes. I mean, they were feeding that dude. And you saw it against UTSA, but it was starting to get a little further. And now I know in that two-minute drill, it's like, my God, just move the ball and we'll see what happens. So I don't really look at that too much. But his it just feels like they're using him as a – he is a wide receiver, so but like he's not a deep threat. He, uh, so bring him back a little bit, right? And, and let him – he'll make everybody miss. I promise you. Just get him the ball and let him do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think of Wandale Robinson, who's my comp for Isaiah all the time. I don't think of him as a wide receiver. I, I think of him as like this all-purpose weapon, like Percy Harvin back in the day. Like, yeah, Percy Harvin could do a deep, you know, a deep shot, like – uh, and just run a, a straight fly pattern and, and be a dangerous guy. But what we see most dangerous at is when he was in space. And, you know, the reverses, that's fine. I don't mind a, a touch or two a game. And you can always throw out of it, which is always a, a good option uh, with a guy who's throwing it. Didn't work out last game, but I love the play call. I uh, love the creativity. We're finally seeing a little bit of that. But getting the ball in space, like th- those little shovel passes, I know you can't run it 10 times a game, right? But – you could see on one play just the threat of Isaiah Williams opened a lane for Josh McCray for a first down run. And then Isaiah Williams' best play against Purdue was a shovel pass that was seven yards, right? And that's that's a great, you know, pass run play. I use in air quotes. Like that gets the ball moving, gets one of your players to the edge where he can beat maybe a nickelback or he can beat a linebacker to that spot or a defensive end. And then they have to account for it. The defense has to account for it, which opens up other things, which could also open up, you know, Brandon Peters down the field to Casey Washington or to Deuce Span, who should probably play a little bit more. I also think he needs to roll Brandon out. I just feel like Brandon. Uh, needs to use his legs. It was one of my keys to the game last week, and we don't see Brandon run. He's an athlete. He needs to run the ball when nothing is there, and we're just not seeing that. So if he's on a rollout, you have two, three options, right? A running back rolling out, and those guys have proven they can be solid receivers, a tight end, a wide receiver, and it just feels like they haven't done enough of that, in my opinion. So if, if it is Brandon in there, I think they need to get uh, that a little bit more. Listen, I know Tony Peterson doesn't have a lot of great options. You're going to see them run the ball probably 65%, 70% of the time. But they do need to pass the ball at some point. Like You do have to complete downfield passes for first downs, and that's just something they haven't been able to do. So, so Peterson's got to find a way to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, and he and Brandon just haven't done that well the last two weeks. I would also like to see him maybe run some some run, you know, some keep options, right? Where a yes. read option where he can maybe sneak out and get out on the edge because they're all everyone's gonna focus on those backs and they should. I I still think there's something there for the tight ends. I, I do, especially in a game like this where you would probably, you know, you would hope they trust their tackles one on one with some undersized at spaces linemen against Charlotte. You could let those tight ends leak out a little bit you know what that um, those guys are going to do joey they're going to get upfield right because they can beat vidarian low or yeah. um you know alex palcheski if they're just running up the field screen passes i haven't yeah. seen many of those either yeah we, i just want to see a little bit more creativity right there and i i think i know you pointed it out personnel the, the personnel that they trot out there is basically holding a sign at time saying, this is what we're going to do, guys. And if Carlos Sandy's on the field, 
you pointed it, Jeremy. That well, Scott, yeah, Scott Ritchie pointed out first, but I was starting to notice okay. it too. Like it was, it was twenty six or twenty of twenty six snaps that he had were, were runs. It was the same thing with Pat Bryan until the very end. Every time Pat Bryan and Carl Sandy were on the field, it, it was run plays, and I, I get it. Like. Hey, Isaiah Williams isn't a good blocker. Donnie Navarro is not a good blocker, but you're kind of telegraphing stuff when you do that. Yeah, that's the concern is you don't have the personnel. You know, get get you a player who can do both, right? You don't have that. And maybe Pat Bryant can do both. <laughs> Pat <laughs> it's Bryant, time to see that. I think you're going to start. You should start seeing him more, right? I, I mean, who would have I, thought I, Pat Bryant would have more combined catches in really one appearance? Than Brian Hightower and Jafar Armstrong have had all year. I, I keep, I know we've, and I know there's frustration around their usage, um, you know, from fans, right? And we've asked, and to me, I'm just reading it as they're just not good enough in this system in the eyes of the coaching staff. At first, it was injury, or at least I, I think that was true. But now it's, there just doesn't appear to be any trust. I don't think they no. can execute. And I am a lot of confused about that, just to be honest with you, um, be, because we did see at least Brian Hightower last year be a pretty serviceable wide receiver, uh, and, and we just – I don't get it. And, I, I don't and, know. And Jafar Armstrong, you know, Jafar. Jafar Armstrong, like raw, uh, straight line, fast, pretty unproven as a receiver. So I never had huge expectations for him, sure. but seems like a guy that would pick things up pretty quick too. So – that I agree with you. There doesn't seem to be trust in those guys, even if they're the more, more talented options. Excuse me, um, and that that that's a concern uh, at this point because you were thinking, and I think they were thinking. They obviously had Jafar Armstrong to make an impact. Brian Hightower, Brett Bielma said some nice things about during the off season. Those guys are the most talented options. Like for them not to be a part of the rotation right now in the worst position group probably on the team. Uh, is a huge concern. Yeah, I don't understand it. And and that's the thing. We can ask. We'll continue to ask. I, I don't know. I, we're, we're just not getting the answer. And Man, I, other than that, I mean, I, what else do they do, right? What else can Illinois do? I mean, we've Run seen the them damn work. football. That's what they're going to do right. on Saturday. And they should. But I, I don't know, man. This is, this is what it is, right? Yeah. This is the offense. This is, this is what happens when, when you're bringing in – a completely different offensive brand, right? And, I mean, you, you've made it work with what you have. And this isn't just a talent thing. Tony Peterson has to be better. I was about he, to say uh, that. Like, yeah. I, I didn't think this offense was going to be great. It should be better than this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it should. And and what I, I just – there are disconnects, I think, for what we expected, namely the tight ends um, going into the season. And we didn't expect that just because – we saw the talent of Daniel Barker and Luke Ford. Like we expected it because the coaching staff basically said I, almost at every turn, like, you know what we love throwing to the tight ends. <laughs> and, and now what, right? You're just not seeing that. So Tony Peterson needs to wear some blame. There's not enough talent on this team, but there's enough talent to score a touchdown against Purdue. Like one, one would have been more than enough. Frankly, I just, Wow, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's focus a little bit on the defense, which has been a huge bright spot, Joey, the last two weeks. I know they haven't gotten the game 
uh, finishing drive. But, I mean, how much more can you ask out of the defense the last two weeks? Allowing just 33 points to Maryland. And that offense, Purdue, and that offense, I know David Bell and their running backs are out, but still, uh, I thought that was very encouraging to only allow 13 points uh, to Purdue. That should win a Big Ten game. Uh, kudos to Ryan Walters. I mean, his defense was overmatched, overwhelmed uh, against UTSA and Virginia. They make changes to their personnel, to their scheme. They've changed things. And that's what we want to see on offense, right? Is And, and the offense has changed personnel a little bit. Uh, they've kind of found their five, moved Julian Pearl in. Uh, they're starting to play different wide receivers a little bit. Obviously, Josh McCray. They haven't done the big one, which is the quarterback quite yet. But I think you're looking for like the offense to kind of mirror the defense. Like, When are you going to take a step forward? When are you going to... Do what Ryan Walters and his uh, defensive staff have done, which has been really, really impressive. They're putting guys, I think, in really good positions to succeed. And they've kind of figured out that, you know what kind of defense they're running well? Lovey Smith's defense. <laughs> like sitting in zone, uh, bending but don't break, force some t- key takeaways, get red zone stops, get off the field on third down. They've been really good at that until the final quarter last game. It's kind of interesting. Like That's kind of where they've settled that. It's not all cover two, of course, and uh, I love you to only run cover two, but they're kind of running that, keep everything in front of us, tackle well. They did that against Purdue. Tackle well for most of the game against Maryland until the very end. Yeah, I mean, the first game against Nebraska, we saw a lot of man, right? And we saw things that – there were some like clear signs that they got – fairly lucky that Adrian Martinez just missed some throws and maybe there was not a lot of sustainability in what that was going to be. But Ryan, Ryan Walters has been so impressive to me, just just unbelievably impressive and what he does on the field and the way he explains everything. He's just, there's a reason that he's well thought of in this industry and we're seeing that reason. And he's just been not afraid to, to kind of pull the thread and say, you know what, this is what we're going to have to do and go away. I'm assuming probably a little bit philosophically from what they were after. I say that pretty comfortably, just given, I think we saw maybe what their ideals were in that week zero game. Uh, so you're going away from that and not being afraid to make a move. I, I still think benching Tony Adams was so bold, right? That is a hugely bold move. It appears to be paying dividends, right, and getting Kirby Joseph in there. Kirby Joseph was a guy who really just couldn't find a place to play at Illinois. I mean, they moved him to wide receiver. They just moved him all over the place, and it never panned out. And whatever reason, the, the connection with Ryan Walters and him seems to have worked, and he's the breakout player of this defense and that award would have gone to Calvin Hart, obviously. Um, well, can, can we also, can we also point out Sidney Brown who I thought had his best game uh, of his Illinois career? I know he didn't have picks or anything like that. I know the big hits were, were great and those were big, but uh, just a sound tackler, just, just consistent. Like when Sidney Brown's consistent, I mean, he didn't just have the hair. He was hitting and, and playing like Troy Palomalu out there the other day. Like, I still think he's got a world of a ceiling and he played extremely well. And I think the D the corners have been serviceable, right? The last two weeks against very good wide receiver cores. And I know David Bell was out, but I, I think Tavion Nicholson battles. Tony Adams came up with a big play. We'll see if Devin Witherspoon gets clear to play on, on Saturday, but also the front four, uh, I think has been dominant mostly in the run game. Joey, that's been really encouraging to see Keith Randolph gets back. That strengthens him even more. And while I don't see think you have a great pass rush, I think it's been 
solid. Like you've got six sacks the last two weeks. You're starting to get more pressure on the quarterbacks. I, I, I think they've just kind of figured out how they play. And, you know, Ryan said, you know, we kind of let these guys get, get after it, not worry about rush lanes and on these third downs, and it's, it's paying off. It is. And another move they made up front, benching Isaiah Gay for Seth Coleman. And I think obviously that was one of those where like, uh, hello, this is, is this going to happen at some point? And it did, but I just think he's not been afraid. Ryan's not been afraid to – to shake things up, see what happens from there. He's not been afraid to to get away from maybe his own comfort zone a little bit. I, I say comfort zone, but I, what I mean is get away from what I think we think he ideally wants to be defensively, which is just not going to happen this year. So he's everything we thought he was going to be, man. He's been really impressive. And I know a lot of the numbers are going to be kind of skewed from that Virginia debacle. But, I mean, we sat on a podcast after that and thought, oh, my good Lord, are they ever – will a team ever run the ball again or are they just going to throw it because I would throw it forever. And now teams are – I mean, they're moving the ball. I, I think – I mean, that's obviously very clear numerically that they're having success there. But third downs, I don't know if, if, if there's like – you don't have to run an extra lap if you get a stop on third down, but they have been impressive in that category. And it's – you're seeing the the fruits of just getting off the field. Yeah, I mean, run defense has been way better the last couple of weeks. Third down defense, as we talked about, the takeaways has been huge. Yep. I mean, they're one of the best in the Big Ten at takeaways right now. The other thing I'm, I'm going to look up here, Joey, is uh, red zone. Red zone defense has been, I think, a lot better the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Maryland was four of six with two touchdowns. Uh, Purdue was three of four with one touchdown. They've been holding these teams to a lot of field goals lately which is which is monstrous um you know you think of that in purdue purdue was moving the ball and they're not able to 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 get six out of it or maryland was moving the ball and they're not able to get six uh until the very end like that those are those are big kind of stops for the defense after allowing that so all those now can you keep sustaining it and that's that's what we're going to see but two weeks in a row is good to see obviously charlotte um, they got some. They got some solid receivers, right? Dubose is a good player. Um, you know, one of the other receivers is kind of their one of their career leaders, and, and Reynolds is just a veteran. So they got some solid receiver options. I think UTSA's were better. Maryland's and Purdue's, even without Bell, I think were better. Um, but those corners got to continue to keep things in front of them, not have missed assignments, which clearly is not happening as much, and then tackle well. I, I think that's going to be so important: is can he continue to be in the right spots and then tackle well? And, and Ryan Walter said the other day, those go hand in hand. If you're in the right spot, you're more likely going to tackle really well. And it sounds like the, the defensive players are starting, I don't want to say trust, but they're starting to believe a little bit. I mean, we've heard this pull the trigger thing, right? Is And basically Ryan and his coaching staff are saying, if you see it, trust yourself. Trust yourself that that's that you're seeing it right. And, and if you know they put them in the positions, that trust is probably right. And, and you're starting to see them buy into that but I guess really buy into themselves in this scheme I guess would be the way to put it because I think they bought in to what the coaches are saying but I think they're that confidence that Brett talked remember Virginia he said when he kind of pointed out Tony Adams play and, and he, he talked about kind of infusing confidence I think you're seeing that defensively now you got to see some like half of it offensively but I think defensively you're starting to see that and Ryan moved down right he, he moved out of the box and does that I mean I guess the last two games, it seems to have worked. Well, he's like in press conferences, like some people might not look at him as like a head coach because he's kind of like 
monotone a little bit. I find him really insightful. Yeah, yeah. I, I find him really, uh, you know, just great at, at getting the point across, getting, uh, giving us insight into what his defense is going through. And I think he just hits the nail on the head. You know, Tony Peterson doesn't give us much, kind of obfuscates a little bit. And, you know, what are you going to say about your offense right now? Um, but I think on the field, he's a competitor. And I think he wants to feel how his guys are feeling and give them some confidence. Uh, and I think that's that's helped out. I don't know how much of a, a factor that is on the spectrum of, of what's yeah. changed, but it obviously keep doing it because it seems to be uh, working right now. All right, Joey, how do you feel about this game uh, against Charlotte? I think they win, but I want to ask you, what if they don't? Like, like not obviously if they don't, they lose, right? But like, yeah. what does it mean if they don't? And you're one in five, and you've lost to two group of five, two conference USA teams, right? Yeah, yeah. At, at home. Well, then what? I mean, I I've been hesitant on this. Like, hey, just throw all these young guys in. Yeah, and I don't, like I don't think idea. you do that against Wisconsin and Penn State, right? Um, but I think you you. If you didn't make the quarterback change, you have to. I, I think at that point you got to find something else. Um, and, and if you can't score enough points to beat Charlotte's, because I would expect your defense to hold Charlotte under thirty, right? <laughs> like so. Uh, but I, I expect them to hold them under that. But like, if you can't hold Charlotte under thirty and you can't outscore them with their defense, which I think Illinois should be able to overpower, um, Tony Peterson's got got to look in the mirror, and Brett Bielema got to look in the mirror and say, what do we have to do? to score points against defenses that aren't very good. Um, They have to. And I don't know where you go from there. Like, it's easy for fans to say youth movement, but what's that look like, Joey? And do you want that? Do you really want that? Is it Pat Bryant? Okay, I can can go with that. Are you going to throw Jake Hansen on the bench and play Kanena Odaluga? No, that's not happening. You're not going to bench Doug Kramer for Josh Troops, and you shouldn't ever. You're, are you going to bench one of the guards for Zach Barliff? Okay, I, I I would. Are you throwing 160 pound Daniel Edwards in for for Tony Adams at this point? I don't know, maybe. Um, no, I mean you would have Taz there, right? So I mean, at corner, which I, where I really think if like the the most intriguing freshman options are probably I don't know if they're the best option, but they're like that we haven't seen are in the secondary, and I at this point today don't. I mean, because the guys who are back there have multiple years, so it kind of defeats your purpose of of that. So what do you do, right? I mean, like, I don't like the term must win. I think that's so lazy. Like, 99% of the time it's so lazy. Well, if you have another by-game loss, Joey, I mean, that's just – that's not what we expected year one. And and, it, it no. sh- and I, I would say, un- like, unacceptable. What's that mean? People are like, unacceptable. That's the thing. I'm like, you can call it must win, but what if they don't? They're not firing anybody, right? right. So, like – I think you have to win this, but must win. That's the thing it doesn't mean. These words don't mean anything in year one. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on what it would look like. But, I mean, it would just be another boy. Brett Bielma's got his work cut out for him, and and just a coaching change alone does not change anything. It would would draw more questions about whether it's Peterson or or Bielma or whoever it is, right? Like, are these guys in-game good enough yet? Um, I think there's such a long way to go, right? But it would just there were such good vibes a month ago after winning your first yeah. game and after a great, great quote off season and honeymoon that Brett Bielema said if he was another conference USA opponent at home, um, the honeymoon certainly is over already. But then you'd have fans like already doubting right the coaching staff and I don't know what that means. I just think recruiting it matters, right? Yeah. 
Like that stuff, man. And if you can manage a couple wins the rest of the way, I mean, how much different does four and eight feel than two and ten or one and eleven? Right. Like if you can find a way to beat Northwestern, compete against some of these better teams, beat Minnesota that's banged up. You know what I mean? Like you just feel a lot better about where you're going. Um, so yeah, I think if you're if you don't win this game, you just don't feel very good about where you're going and what you are right now and what the rest of the season um has. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you do, but uh, yeah, that's it's just saying. a terrible like, feeling. I don't think there's anything where, like, come Monday, there's some press release. You know, I, I don't think there's anything yeah. along those lines. I just think, like, if you lose, where is your? Like Brett Bielema said, his team was in pretty good space on Sunday when he talked to them. What's that space look like if this Sunday if it's a loss, right? And, and recruiting, right? Like, let's say you lose this game. I'll say it. I'm Iowa. I'm calling Aiden Lawry, right? Oh, so, <laughs> way to get it. the people going on this, Joe. <laughs> no, I mean, but no, you're right. You are, you, you're right. I mean, for me, it's more about like the 23s. I, yeah. I, I think your 22s are pretty locked. Yeah, and I don't think Aiden would flip. I'm not saying that, but you're competitive if you're Iowa and you give it a shot, right? Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, usually there's there's one guy that surprises you and flips in a, in a class. So I, I don't know if that would happen. But it's just you want to keep good vibes. And those guys all bought in. They knew this is a rebuild and that they yes. could be a part of changing it around. But it's about showing the next recruits. Or, I mean, if you're Tony Peterson trying to sell a transfer quarterback, like, you know, I think that's where you're starting to be like, I don't think Illinois is going to beat a lot of Power 5 teams for a transfer quarterback, but you got to land one that, that can make a huge impact. Like, that is the most important thing that's going to happen this offseason is which quarterback do they bring in to play and start next year. And you got to start showing some things on offense, I think, to, to attract a quarterback. And whether that's with Brandon or Art, you got to find something that can get people. I mean, Art could be an option, right? I mean, it, Art could play games next year. If there's an injury or he beats out the guy, you got to start seeing some progress from that offense in that position if you want to improve it drastically next year like it needs to. Yeah. So, again, I – I don't think anything, nothing, I don't think anything's going to change Monday, whatever the outcome is. Go for it. What if they win? What if they win? They run for 300 yards. Josh McCray, 180. Chase Brown, 100. Two backs with 100 yards. They impose their will. The defense shuts Charlotte to like 14 points or something like that. You're going into homecoming against a a Wisconsin team that's a little wounded, uh, doesn't score points. Now you'd have oh, to no. you'd, you'd wow. have to win like twelve to nine against Wisconsin, right? Like I don't think there's yeah. a, there's a path to getting twenty something points against Wisconsin. But what if you win? Game Joe? for court game part two, part two. <laughs> what if you the win? Court strikes again. Well, you know that's fair. And honestly, that should have been my next question to you. How do they do it? That's how, like how do Mr. they win? Positivity, Mr. Positivity, Warner. Positive Jeremy. That's what they've called you. I've heard. <laughs> um, well, you know what? What if they do? It's how do they do it? And, and who is the quarterback doing it? Yeah. Right. I mean, this doesn't, a win doesn't fix everything, but you could spend, sell this with, with some level of, of not being imaginary about things. Like they are a couple fourth down calls, successful fourth down calls away from this possibly being the third, right? Or a uh, third down execution too. Okay, let's go with that. Yes, two third down executions away from this being a third. So what I, I think there was truth and not spin zone truth 
to Brett Bielema saying how close they are and and being competitive. That is a thousand percent real and on the table. So if you win this, you can say, guys, you know, if you're Brett and you're, you're in those meetings, guys, look, close, close win. It does suck a little bit that Wisconsin and Jim Leonard are next. That, that is not like how you would draw up this schedule if you had to draw it up, but the, there should be some okay vibes, some some better vibes around if they win this because it's a win, and there those have been few and far between um, for like I don't know three or four years. So ten, yeah. I, now, if I, I don't even want to put any caveat on it, right? A win is a, objectively good news for them. I, I would just like in my mind. I, and what we do is think about this: is like, how are they doing it? Are they you, running all day? Well, you know, you know, you know, it make you feel good. You control the ball, you win twenty-eight to seven, or or I don't know if they're going to reach thirties, right? But like, you get a couple breakaway runs, and you get a big lead, and you just control the game, right? You, just, you dominate, you dominate a group of five team. Like that's where you'd feel good and feel like yeah. okay, probably going to lose the next two games to Wisconsin and Penn State, but then we can regroup. Big game against big game in air quotes for Illinois against Rutgers, right? And Minnesota coming up, Northwestern still on the schedule, Iowa don't feel so good about. Like, but there's some games that you feel like we have a chance, we have a chance, and maybe we give ourselves a chance in the fourth quarter against one of those other three teams that's in the top. You know, Wisconsin's not ranked right now, but I think we all think they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, where you give yourself a chance, and maybe you find a way to to win one of those and and start to feel really good about yourself. So um, that's what I think you want. I think you want to see some control and, and at times domination, uh, especially up front in this game. And that's both offensive and defensive lines. We, we've dog. I mean, I don't want to say dog, but we we fairly pointed out the flaws of this team and offensively where they are. But this isn't. I mean, this this isn't carrying water, but they're in these football games. And, and at times over the last, however long, that's not entirely been the case. So you, you can see incrementally in various phases, though not at the same time, steps forward. Like that that's a true thing that's happening. And, and yeah, maybe the opponents you've played to this point aren't, you know, world beaters. That's fine. I mean, you play some pretty solid football teams in there, but you are seeing steps ahead. And, and that's in year one with, with roster that you didn't, you didn't really know half of these guys, a third of these guys, until December. It's pretty solid, right? So, Joey, as our friends in good Charlotte would say, it's the little things. It's the little things. My God, my God, why are you doing this to me? Oh, no. Oh, for everybody who stuck around for the rambling, they reward their payoff. It's more good Charlotte. Oh, my God. Why do we do this to him? Do, do you know how proud I am of that? Like, I just, oh, just, oh, no. It's the little things, Joey. Up something. I'm like, what is he looking up? I, you could see it. Oh, what a dance. Oh, my God. You love it. You love it. All right. It is, it is still back. <laughs> Win, lose, or Armageddon. We'll be talking about uh, the post game of Illinois football against Charlotte. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. We'll have our overs and unders uh, coming up. Joey, I know you probably wanted to be a part of this podcast, but I'm, I'm going to keep it to me and Piper. Uh, we're going to do a basketball podcast uh, because the, the question of when is it basketball season, well, Media Day is on Friday. You have a great story coming up on Kofi Coburn uh, that I'm really excited to publish. It should be out. Most people will probably be uh, out by the time they hear this, but uh, basketball season is around the corner. We're just hoping football stays interesting for some of these games before they tip off. 
Hey, it's Kofi. Bring down the rim season. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Uh, give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that. Rate us, review us as well. Check out Illini Enquirer. For the latest on Illinois basketball and football recruiting, we'll have more on that. Illinois football hosting an official visitor in Illinois basketball. A huge weekend for them for some younger uh, kids in state. So Derek Piper will have the latest on that as well. Everybody take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. <laughs>